they're heading back to the parents. Open up your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We are talking about overflow. The overflow of God's love. And when I shared with the children I wanted to share with you, it begins with the knowledge and understanding that God loves you and me. Philippians 1 verse 9 says, I pray that your love, God's love, working through us will overflow more and more. That's agape love. That's God's love. That's sacrificial love. That's unselfish love. That his love will flow through us more and more, and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Let me ask you all a question this morning. Do you know God? Don't answer that out loud. Don't nod your heads. Don't raise your hand. Do you know God? Do you really, really know God? Do you realize that we were created for a relationship together? Us and God. Acts 17, 28 says this, For in Him we live and move and exist. Like lungs need oxygen, like fish need water, we need God. And here's the thing. Our relationship with God is not accidental. It's not accidental. No relationship is accidental. You don't just get closer to somebody on accident. Either you're growing or you're drifting. Either you're making an effort or you're not making an effort. That's the way relationships work. When Paul was addressing a church in Thessalonica during a time of persecution, he said this in 2 Thessalonians 1.3, Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you. Now listen to what he says. Because your faith is flourishing, it's growing. And your love for one another is growing. See, either you're growing in your relationship with God and others, or you're drifting. He witnessed their attitude and action. He witnessed how their love for one another is a reflection of their love for God. See, if you're in a great relationship with God, guess what? You're going to be in a great relationship with a lot of people. You really will. There's no way that God can fill you with his love and you not let that love flow out. Hebrews 2.1 says this, So we must listen very carefully to the truth we heard, or we may drift away. Are you growing or are you drifting? Are you seeking God on a daily basis? We have to ask ourselves that question. Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, the priests, prophets, all the people who had been basically exiled to Babylonian, uh, Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what he said. Now, all of you remember this first verse. I'm going to start reading this, and you're going to say, I know that verse. For I know the plans that I have for you. Does that verse sound familiar? Plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. But did you read on? Jeremiah 29, verse 12 and 13. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. God says, come after me. I want a relationship with you. If you look for me, you're going to find me. This is the question is, do you know God? Are you looking for God? Are you building that relationship with God? Are you pursuing and growing with Him? You know, the amazing thing is, you don't have to question His desire to have a relationship with you. Okay, adults, do you remember the day when we used to write notes 
to that boy or girl, you know, like for me, a girl, okay? I'm writing that note to the girl. Do you like me? Check yes or no. Remember those days? All the teens here today, this is flashback for all of us adults. Okay, you guys are like, what's that all about? You know, we used to write notes, at least some of us did, maybe. Maybe it was just me. Is it an Indiana thing? Did anybody do that? Come on. Fess, thank you. All right. Amen. All right. So anyway, so you write this note. Do you like me? Yes or no? Then you give that to your friend who takes it to the, the other friend of the girl, and then she gives that to the girl you like. And then she looks at it, and she checks yes or no, and gives it to her friend who gives it to your friend who gives it back to you. Okay? And today it's like, couldn't you just like text each other? We didn't know what that was. Okay? There was no text. Okay? And, and then you think about this. And after, you're asking your friend's friend, like, do, do they like me? Do they, I don't know. Do there was this, you always had to ask, do they like me? I don't know. I'll have to ask them. Don't have to do that with God. Don't have to write a note to God. God, do you like me? Check yes or no. God's like, stop it. It's always been yes. It's always yes. Mark 12, 30 to 31 says this, because we want to pursue God, we must love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God says, I'm in a pursuit with you. I want you to pursue me. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, would you? So now we get focused on the other part of that command. Because we were focusing on this last week, but we were getting rid of those things that were clogging the overflow, the fear, the selfishness, the complaining. Can't have that junk in our life. Can't have that in our church. Can't do that if we're pursuing God. So we talked about that last week. We want to pursue God. Now here's the thing. I want to have not only an overflowing relationship with God, I want to have an overflowing relationship with others. We need to have overflowing relationships. See, this whole overflow campaign, it's not just about funds for a new building. It's more than that. Yes, we're going to talk about our finances. Yes, we're going to talk about our health. We're going to talk about a lot of things. But we've got to talk about our relationships with God, our relationships with each other, and the whole overflow picture so that we fully comprehend what it means to be in the overflow of God's love. Paul prayed, I pray that your love will overflow, overflow more and more and will keep on growing. It's not just one area of our life. It's the whole picture. God's command, Paul's prayer, our attitude and actions, it's in all things. God is a God of relationships. So we love him and we love others. It's about relationships. Genesis 2.18 said this. From the beginning of time, he made it very clear. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be what? Alone. So I will make a helper for him. From the very beginning, God, it was God's idea. You shouldn't be alone. Okay? Single riders at Cedar Point shouldn't exist. Okay? You know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been to Cedar Point, and they're like, we got one rider, one rider. And you're like, so embarrassed. Like, yes, it's me, the loner. Okay? No, it shouldn't be that way. There should never be single anything. Because God said, no, together, together, together. You said it so well this morning. Thank you. Together. It was God's idea for man to not be alone. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this. I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other one can reach and help. But if somebody falls alone, they're in real trouble. Absolutely. It was God's idea to team up and help each other. You know, I shared this this past week in the daily devotional that I write about teaming up. You know, in the animal kingdom, individual animals... Uh, when they're by themselves, they're given a name. But when they're put in a group, they're given a group name. I'm going to have the kids help me out again, okay? 
Uh, now, but kids, you got to raise your hand, okay? If I have a single cow, but then I have a bunch of cows, that bunch of cows, that group of cows are called what? I want to go with the older kids, okay? Because you younger kids help me out early. Right there. What's a big group of cows called? Cattle? Okay, but what's that group of cattle called together? That's, that's good. Actually, there's some of these groups have multiple classification names, okay? Like bison, they can be called a herd, but they're also called a gang. That's in the west side. Anyway, who else? You want to help me out? What's the other name for cattle? Herd. Very good. How about a group of fish? Put them together and you get a big group of fish together. What, they're called, what are they called? Uh, right there, Trevor. A school. Very good. Okay, you got a couple of insects, but then all these insects get together and you have a big what of insects. Does anybody know? A colony. Very good. And they've got a couple of names, actually. What's another group uh, name for a group of insects? Colonies. One of them. What's the other one? Swarm. Good. I'm going to get to Ian, okay? Because Ian, I think you know this one. We'll, we'll test you. What's a group of lions that are put together? Do you know that one? Do you know it? No? Okay, I'll come back to you. What is it right here? Pride. Very good. All right. Tough one. Baboons or gorillas put together. What are they called? Family? I bet that's what they call themselves. They're actually called a band. A band. No knocking on, a minute on the worship team here. Okay. But, um, they're called a band, yeah. And a family. I'll go with family as a second colony name for them, a group name. Okay. Very good. Okay. One more shot, Ian. How about a group of whales? A group of whales. Do you have, an, you have anything like you put a lot of songs on and I something that you put a lot of songs on to it? Because you have so many songs you listen to. A little I something sounds... iPod. There you go. That's why they call it maybe an iPod because you can put a ton of stuff on there, right? That's a group of whales. Very good. All right. Giraffes, they're called towers, coming together. Uh, weasels, gangs, squirrels, scurry. So the next time you drive by one of the parks, right? Oh, look at that scurry of squirrels. Okay, impress your friends. Um, but my favorite one is a rhinoceros, and I'll just hit on this real quick because I've shared this with you before. A rhinoceros can only see 10 yards in front of it. It can charge 30 miles per hour. Can you imagine going 30 miles per hour and be able to see 10 yards in front of you? All of you should be able to say yes because we live in Northwest Ohio. And we have fog days. Okay, so that's basically the life of a rhinoceros. Uh, a group of rhinoceroses crash. Very fitting, isn't it? Very fitting. I heard uh, John Ingrich say one time, I was reading in his book, he's talking about this. He said, that's the life of a Christian. We have no idea what tomorrow is. We can't see ahead in our life. But as Christians, we've got to continue to charge forward in our life, just like the rhino. I love it. I love it. That's why we got a little rhino, by the way, in our office on the microwave, if you ever come into the church office. Okay? But these animals are given a new name as they come together. In the same way, we are given new names. By them, myself, yes, I'm a child of God. But you know what? As a group, we, as Christians, we're called a church. Okay? You have an individual playing a sport, but when they get out on the field together, on the court together, they're called a team. Maybe you have a work group together. At, uh, you're called a share group. I don't know. A bunch of 10th graders are called a sophomore class. There's, there's always a classification name when people get together in groups. And last week I shared in the book from Philippians that we're called what? Citizens of heaven. That's another name we all have together we get to share. And as citizens of heaven, I'm thinking, listen, I'm not alone in this. As a citizen, I'm here to hold you accountable. You're here to hold me accountable because we are citizens of heaven together. That's an amazing thing. Romans 8, 37, Paul says this, you are more than conquerors through Christ, through whom Christ loves. More than conquerors. Again, that Greek word is hypernikeo, which means hyper, above, nikeo, meaning Nike, which is the goddess of victory. 
Paul says, Christ is in you. You're bigger than the goddess of victory. Because that's who people worship back in the day. We still sort of worship Nike today, right? But that's, oh, I want to win today. So I'm going to pray to the goddess of Nike. Paul says, you know when Christ is in you? You're bigger than Nike. God wants to team up with us. We can't be victorious if we don't team up with Jesus Christ. God didn't create us to be alone. So teaming up together in a relationship doesn't happen by accident. So I want to tell you this morning, overflowing relationships have to be intentional. I'm going to give you four points on this. They're very quick. If you want to write them down, write them down. You want to memorize them, memorize them. But just remember these four things here. First of all, initiate relationships. Let me hear you say initiate. Think about the majority of the good relationships you have. How'd they start? After the initial meeting with somebody, that relationship either grew or died depending upon whether or not you initiated the relationship. There's acquaintances that come by, hello, goodbye, and all that kind of thing, but a good relationship has to be initiated. You must engage. If you come to church here and you've never met anybody, that's partially your fault. That's partially my fault. We need to engage and initiate relationships with one another. If you go off to the side of a room somewhere, whether it's here, school, work, in public somewhere, and you, oh, there's a bunch of people down that aisle, I'm going to go down the other aisle. Guess what? You're avoiding those relationships. I get it. Okay? But to have overflowing relationships, we need to learn how to initiate relationships. Now, if you don't engage in that or conversation or making an effort, there will be no relationships. So the first thing we need to understand as Christians is we need to learn how to initiate relationships, especially within the body of Christ. This is a good place to start. This should be a safe place to start with other Christians to be able to initiate relationships. Okay? Here's the second thing. Repeat after me. Nurture. We need to nurture relationships. Relationships very rarely end up somewhere good on accident. See, relationships end up somewhere on purpose. If you're in a raft, you're in a canoe, and you're going down a fast-moving river, guess what? Paddles in the boat, you're going to go somewhere, but you probably won't go where you want to go. You've got to get those paddles out, and you've got to work to get to your destination, to the right point of exit or entry. That's the way it works. That's relationships. If you're just floating right now in your relationships, guess what? Oh, you'll end up somewhere. Probably is not going to be where you want. And then you're going to sit there and say, how did we get here? I'll tell you how you got there. You weren't working at it. You weren't nurturing. Let me hear you say nurture. Genesis 5, 14 to 15 says this, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Did I say Genesis? I meant Galatians. Galatians, thank you. But if you're biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware, you're going to destroy one another. That's not nurturing. Nurturing is coming alongside one another. Here's the third thing. Let me hear you say restore. We need to learn to restore our relationships. Healing takes time. Just think about the last time you had a deep cut. Did it heal in minutes? Did it heal overnight? No, it probably took a long time. Matter of fact, the deeper the cut, the deeper the wound, the longer it heals. That's relationships. That's relationships. It takes even longer. Think about this. Do you have anything going on right now with somebody that needs to be taken care of? Do you have a relationship that needs restoring with your parents, with your children, with a spouse, with a family member, with a friend, a co-worker, a teammate, somebody here in the church? 
Colossians 3.12 says this, Since God chose you to be the holy people, let me hear you say holy people. Listen, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is you, holy people. Look at the person next to you and say, this is you. Holy people, he loves. You must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But Colossians 3.13 goes on to say this, Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone, let me hear you say anyone, who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Let me read that again. The Lord forgave you on that, so you must forgive others. It wasn't, so you might want to try to forgive others. Well, why don't you think about forgiving others? Well, when it feels convenient, forgive others. No, you must forgive others. That's a tough one, isn't it? Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says this, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar of the temple and remember something that somebody hurt you or sinned against you, leave your sacrifice down on the altar. Go. Be reconciled to that person. Then come back. It's absolutely hard to have an incredible relationship with God if we can't have relationships with other people. So we need to initiate those relationships. We need to nurture those relationships. We need to restore the relationships. Is it possible to restore a relationship? Let me hear you say yes. Is it easy? Let me hear you say no. But is it the right thing to do? Let me hear you say yes. I was filling the blank and I gave you the answers. That was a pretty easy quiz, right? That person that you want to restore that relationship may not have anything wanting to do with you. I'm going to tell you that right now. You might say this morning, say, you know what? I need to go ask for forgiveness. I need to go work on that relationship. That's your responsibility. That's your obedience to Christ. Thank you for being obedient. But here's the thing. That person may not be listening to God right now. So when you go to them, they may reject you. But it's still our responsibility to initiate that reconciliation process. So we do that, whether they accept it or not. If they don't accept it, we know we were being obedient. At least and we did what we need to do. Romans 12, 17 to 18 says this. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Everyone. Here's the fourth thing. Sever. Let me hear you say sever. This is the fourth point that I'm not really keen on in one area because I, I don't like the idea of severing relationships. I really don't like that. Um, it's a difficult thing. So listen carefully to what I mean by sever relationships. Okay? Listen carefully. Our relationships with one another will help us grow with Christ or move away from Christ. Relationships do that. Okay? We must be careful that our relationships with one another are secondary and that our relationship with Christ is primary. That comes first. Relationships with others come second. And if our relationship with others takes us away from God, then we need to look back at this relationship and say, what needs to be adjusted here? And maybe it's not a severing to begin with, but it's sort of a, a reprioritizing this relationship. Okay? But I want, to hear, I want you to hear a verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Paul says, he warns us, don't be fooled by those who say such things because there's this argument going on about religious truths. Well, maybe this, maybe this. Paul says, don't, be, don't get caught up in it. Listen, 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 listen. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts corrupts good character. So you're hanging out with bad company, guess what's going to happen? It corrupts you. I know we're supposed to be a light into the world, but I'm telling you, you hang around sin long enough, 
you get a little bit of sin spilled on you. Children, teenagers, especially teenagers in a room, please listen carefully. There is a reason why we as parents are concerned about who you hang out with. There is. We say this all the time to our kids. There's a reason why we're concerned about who you hang out with. Because they might be good people, they really are, but they might not be godly people. They may be nice, but are their actions helping you know more about God or are they taking you away from God? So we pray for our children's friends. Not just our children, but our children's friends and who they become friends with. Because we know what Paul says is true. Bad company corrupts good character. So children and youth, when your parents are saying, oh, who's that? And they start quizzing you about all your friends, it's because your parents care about who you hang out with. They want the best for you. Parents, it's okay to ask your kids about their friendships. You need to know who they're hanging out with. Then parents, guess what? We set the example by who we hang out with. If we're hanging out with bad character, do we really expect our children to hang out with good character? You know what I'm saying? Are we a stumbling block to others? Think about those four again. Initiate relationships. Nurture those relationships. I'm going to go back to that nurturing real quick. We need to make sure as we are nurturing that we are really, really making an effort that one. That's an extra paddle stroke, okay? Don't overlook number two. Number three is to restore relationships, and four was to sever some of those relationships. Overflow, as I said before, it's more than just, hey, we need to work on our giving. You know, it's not just giving financially. When we are overflowing in our love with God and overflowing in our relationships with each other, guess what's going to happen? Everything about us changes. How I handle my finances, how I handle my health, how I handle my work. It's all connected. Next week, we'll take the next step, the next connection. This week, let's work on our relationships. Amen? Uh, would you please stand, worship team, come forward? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time we've had together to worship you in prayer and song and scripture. I thank you for the time we've had together, breaking bread and sharing time of communion with one another, remembering what you've done for us. I thank you, Lord, for even just uh, the thought of the, the pumpkins, how that's maybe just a simple reminder how you want to gut us out, you want to clean us up, you want us to have a credible relationship with you, but that doesn't happen until we seek forgiveness. And then you clean us out, and then we go through life and get a little scarred up here and there. But, Lord, every little nick that comes our way is an opportunity to show our faith in you, to shine for you. You've created with us with purpose. Lord, you've created us to have relationships. So, Lord, as we close in this song, we sing this song to you, work in our hearts still. Do we need to ask for forgiveness of things? Do we need to be gutted out? Lord, are there relationships that we need to restore? Are there relationships that maybe we need to consider severing or we at least need to stand up and go to them and say, listen, this has got to change. Lord, speak to us about our own heart with you about our relationships with others. We want them to be overflowing more and more. We love you, Lord. We sing to you now. In our name we pray. Amen.